Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Giddy today, up. giddy up. <laughs> today, giddy up, because we are reviewing the corporation, the pathological pursuit of property, uh, profit and power. Mate, it was a wild ride. Corporations are cooked. Yeah. They're bad. <laughs> They're very, very bad. Yeah, so it's a slightly, you know, it's another one of those kind of dark kind of books that you know what's going what goes on in the world but i think it's really important to understand how our economic system works and who's really um in who's got really most of the control is it the corporations or is it more the governments yeah it's corporations but yeah <laughs> <laughs> the corporations control the government but basically like we see these dudes like you know bad dudes getting handcuffed marched out of banks and like we're quick to judge these greedy individuals for you know taking advantage of people but Really, we're, we're neglecting the system as a whole. And essentially, we're not just talking about a few bad apples. It's a, the whole system's broken. Exactly. So, yeah, this, this book kind of points out all the, the flaws in the system. Yeah. And and then, I guess, at the end, it does go into what you can do about it and then really who's to blame. Because essentially, in a nutshell, the corporation, it, it really, it's treated like it's human being by the law, mm. but it's not. It doesn't have, the, I guess, the spirit of the humans and, and our moral kind of compass. Yeah, exactly. So, and when we say corporations, so we're talking about these big publicly traded companies, not like mum and dad who have incorporated their business. We're talking these big institutions um, with this unique structure, with a set of imperatives that direct the actions of the people within it. Yeah. So, in the introduction, so the author is Joel Back, and so in the introduction, he said the corporations are legally defined. A mandate is to pursue relentlessly, mm. without exception, its own self-interest, regardless of the harmful consequences it might cause others. Yeah, that's it. And so it's all about all about maximising returns for shareholders uh, at any cost. Yeah. So the start of the book goes into the corporation's rise of dominance. It, it came out of like a relatively obscurity, really. Yeah. It? Essentially, 150 years ago, there was no such thing as this corporation, and now it's it's just everywhere. They just dominate um, world economies. Yeah. So what it used to be was something called like the partnership. So a lot of, I guess, small businesses would come together and partner up and, and team up to, to do a lot of businesses. And this idea of the corporation was originally banned and there was a lot of, I mm. guess, resistance against letting this kind of legislation to let such an entity come through. But then it, eventually it did. Yeah. And now, as we know, corporations control everything. They control what we eat, what we wear, what we watch, what we read, where we work, what we do. Everything yep. in our lives is governed by corporations now. Yeah, that's right. So I guess in 1904, the US economy went from individually owned enterprises, trading freely amongst themselves quickly into a, a few big dominated, dominant, dominant uh, corporations, each owned by many shareholders as opposed to, I guess, the individual business owners. Yeah, and some of the things they did with those, they, so they repealed the rules that required businesses to incorporate only for narrowly defined purposes for a limited duration and only for particular locations. So, I don't know, I might be just making this up, but maybe like before like this, you know, in the 1800s, you could make a company for six months when you're harvesting corn in one farm and that was your corporation then it would end but now it's sort of indefinite um, they loosen the controls on mergers and acquisitions and they also abolish the rule that a company could not own stock in another so then companies could start buying other companies yep and then the big pupper I think which could have ended up being I guess the, uh, which has made it into what it is today is this idea of limited liability which mm. came in the 1950s yeah and basically that 
Previously, investors were personally on the line. So like if the company tanked or they couldn't pay their debts, then they could come after the personal investors, their homes, their savings, their assets. But now the losses are limited to just the corporate entity itself. Mm. So no one's really liable. So if anything really, really bad happens, and if you invested $100, then... I guess the all you can lose is down to that zero, and yeah. then all the we'll get into the external externalities later. But you know, no one is really going to pay the consequences of some of the, the bad things the corporations might yeah. end up doing. So one of the good things was that poor people could invest in stocks as well because they didn't have to prove that they were able to pay back debts. Uh, but one of the negatives was that essentially dodgy companies and dodgy investors can get away with excessive risk of failure because essentially you've got limited chance of loss with an unlimited potential gain because, as you say, once you get to zero, you just write it off. You can't pay bad debts, whatever. Just pull a pin and that's game over and yep. that's all good. So with this in place, investors could recklessly be unconcerned about their company's fortunes and you know people could now trade with a limited chance of loss with huge uh, side of upgain, which I guess encouraged speculation in the market mm. as opposed to, I guess, sound, sound investing. And if we sort of fast forward to 1993, I think that was when the World Trade Organization was created. Yep. And um, this thing of deregulation started to come in where, you know, there's all these regulations that corporations say that there's all this crap, this red tape that's in the way that stops us from doing what we want to do and making profit and helping the world. And so they gradually chipped away and started removing things. And then you see like a big crash like Enron and the uh, Arthur Anderson, the accounting firm that was like monitoring them that said they were all fine, but then they crashed. Uh, essentially, the, the World Trade Organization had lost their power. They'd lost their authority to fix problems because they'd gradually given up these regulations. Yeah, that's right. And then another bit of legislation before we get into the next bit is in the 19th century, the corporation, which we briefly alluded to, could be now be treated as a real person. Mm. So the corporation, which isn't a, a person at all, it, it has the same rights as a person. So it can conduct business in its own name, acquire assets, employ workers and pay taxes, go to a court um, mm. and live like a real free independent being, this corporation. Mm. Yes, yes. And as we'll get into later, you know, that's, that's one of the big issues because... Because it doesn't have the same moral compass as humans. Yeah, exactly. You ready for chapter two? Chapter two, bang, bang, bang. Business as usual, chapter two. And they said that you know, corporate corporations have always been philanthropic, whether they sponsored the local footy team or they gave some money to charity. Um, and traditionally, these generous practices were you know just quite in the background, peripheral to their main goal, which was making money. But now it's sort of like every large corporation, a uh, corporation, has to be seen to be doing good, not just... What does he say? He said they have to deliver good, not just deliver the goods. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this idea of corporate social responsibility. So it started blossoming in the 1930s. And, you know, because corporations were losing legitimacy. So mm. they had to at least appear to be legitimate, like they yeah. were uh, going after social and environmental goals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Behind closed doors. Like, yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. He calls it capitalism with a conscience. And essentially it's like... A core of their business plan is to be seen to be doing good, not just dogging. Because like, companies just absolutely dog everyone, but it's saying that at least if they can be seen to be doing good, then maybe it's a bit better. Um, Peter Drucker, uh, super uh, well-respected management guru, said that uh, in the past, if you find an executive who wants to take on social respons- responsibility, fire him fast. Yep. Um, but those days are over. Yeah. And 
I think this gets into one of the other, probably the other biggest problems, I guess, with, say, the system, which we said at the start, is that the idea the corporation's interests are for the stockholders by law, mm. so the shareholders. So if, if there are social and environmental goals that aren't going to profit the stockholders, mm. then by law, they cannot go after these, these goals at all. Their, their imperative, their only moral imperative is to make money for shareholders. Yeah, that's it. Essentially... Um, shareholders could say, "Hey, why are you giving you know a hundred million to this charity? This is should be our money that we're meant meant to be owning and maximising." But you know, on the other hand, they say that social responsibility is sort of on par with like sex in terms of corporate advertising. Mm. You know, on TV you can sell the good deeds as opposed to just having hot babes on top of cars. Yeah. In a car wash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, corporate social responsibility is actually illegal. If mm. if the you know if the, the pursuit isn't for profit in the end, yeah. it's actually illegal. So if they're just going out to save the world or do good for the environment without any kind of incentive mm. to get profit, then it's you know it's a crock of shit. Yeah, but they have to show that it can. They do it and show that somehow it leads to greater profit by saying it's a good advertising, mm. good marketing. And this was, I guess, shown very well on Earth Day 1999. So the head of BP, John Brown, was given all these awards and he was knighted and. The UN gave him an award for being an astonishing leader and all this kind of stuff just because he acknowledged that greenhouse gases cause global warming, which is fantastic leadership in the oil industry where they're essentially, you know, fucking <laughs> the whole world, yeah. the planet. <laughs> yeah. So, but at the same time, regardless of how sincere his personal commitment is to global warming, if BP found a new oil field on, say, underneath a, a coral reef yeah. where they know they could they oh, could yeah. <laughs> get profits from you know him as the as the ceo has no choice but to exploit that natural resource oh, yeah, despite his yeah, <laughs> yeah. well it's not his own fault despite <laughs> his own moral obligation his own morals he yeah. has to as ceo of that company i guess act in the interest of all the shareholders so yeah. and in that case the shareholders are going to make a profit if bp goes and fucks that oil reef exactly and extracts all the oil they can yeah exactly no, so true. So again, it's another example of, I guess, it's the system, not not the humans yeah. in, in control. And as you said before, that, you know, the corporation is viewed as an individual. But what um, Joel Bacon says is that corporations are psychopaths. They've got these psychopathic traits. They're irresponsible. They try to manipulate everything, including public opinion. They lack empathy. They have asocial tendencies. They refuse to accept responsibility for their own actions. They're unable to feel remorse, and they only relate to others superficially. So essentially, if that was a person, they'd be locked up as a psychopath. Yeah. They'd be in the crazy house with a straight jacket on. Yeah, totally. Um, but that's what all, corporation, all, all corporations are. Yeah. There's another example here, man, I, I liked. It was this drug company called Pfeiffer. So it's another example where they... Pfizer. Pfizer? Yeah, Pfizer. So that, do you know them? I never heard of them. Yeah. Um, the dick pills. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, as a corporation, you know, as we're saying, their, their goal is to make money. But if it was for social kind of goals, you know, you might find they're making drugs to cure diseases in mm. malaria and saving, you know, causing a lot of, solving a lot of the social problems we have in the world. But it's more profitable for them to, to make dick pills. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, like friends, Johansson was saying that, you know, also uh, initially it was treating blood pressure, I think, but they found that it gave everyone bonus, so they made Viagra yeah. and it's the biggest selling drug ever. Yeah. Made them a very rich corporation. That's right. So, yeah, so they're like psychopaths. So they might present themselves as compassionate and concerned about others. Yeah. But in fact, they really lack the ability to care about anyone else but themselves because... 
you know, as they're, as they're set up, their only motive is for profit, and that's it. They can't, mm. a, a corporation can't feel generally remorseful about any anything they do. Exactly. I think that's a good segue to chapter three, the externalizing machine. And it says that as a psychopathic creature, the corporation can neither recognize nor act upon moral reasons to refrain from harming others. So essentially, it's compelled to cause harm when the benefits outweigh the costs. You know, that... You know, they exploit others for profit. They, as I say, they're, they're programmed to do it. They have to do it. Mm. Um, it's, you know, it's legally compelled to externalize costs. So if they can, if they've got costs and they can impart them on everyone else except themselves, they're going to do it. Yeah. So it comes into this idea of externalities, which is in the effect of a transaction, a third party who has not consented to or played any role in carrying out that transaction, they're getting, they're getting fucked. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I guess it was big in my year 12 economics is negative externalities that uh, I can't even think of the example. So one example might be you knock down your house and the house next to you gets uh, all this fucking dust on it. Hmm. Then they've copped the negative externality from you doing... They were un, uh, completely not involved, but they copped it yeah. anyway. And yeah, so you can go from that scale and then I guess even global warming, that's probably yeah. one where... You know, they're, they're, the oil companies are making all these profits, but all the externalities, the rest of society's is copying is wearing all the costs yeah. of, of these transactions that they didn't even take part in. So, you know, as the system is now, these external, externalities aren't really priced into their transactions at all. Mm. So at the moment, all these third parties who have nothing to do with it are getting getting raped. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mate, a couple of other examples of greedy corporations is one... Um, Kathy Lee handbags. They used to be manufactured in the US. They moved to China and their workers were getting three cents an hour. Mm. And so it was like, obviously they're going to take that deal for sure. Another one was General Motors. They made this, a new version of their car. Um, and something to do with the fuel tank was too close to the back of the car. So if the back of the car got hit and it was hard enough to hit the fuel tank, it exploded basically. So a safe distance was 17 inches. The old car was 21 inches. The new car was like eight inches. Um, and they removed this metal brace that saved these deaths. And it, it, essentially, it caused 500 deaths. And they said there was an average payout of 200K per death, mm. but they sold 41 million cars. So it only cost them $2.40 per car they sold. So on a $30,000 car, just bump it up a couple of bucks. You've covered 500 deaths, essentially. Mm. And for them, they saved 10 bucks by removing this metal brace, and it only cost them $2.40 per car. So big big game for them to kill 500 people yeah that's right and the, and the executives as their role they must serve this dehumanizing mandate they can't they can't worry too much about the people dying they have to look at the cost benefit analysis only mm. and and look at the profits and they've priced in the deaths of humans and then yeah you know that's just an externality that just that, that, you know they just get a cough it <laughs> they get a cough it and essentially they said that the law pretty much protects everyone involved in corporations so we said before the shareholders can't be held liable this limited liability the directors like the board they can just say well we're non-executive directors we didn't have any direct involvement in these decisions and then essentially they say the executive executives are protected just because the law is unwilling to to find people liable for these crimes mm. it was like all the big bank crashes in 2008 i think like maybe one dude or like or i don't think anyone ever <laughs> copped yeah, that's it right. so that's all all that's left really then is the corporation if everyone yeah. else is you know is yeah. not allowed to get hurt then it's just the corporation left it's not even a human. It's just yeah. a, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just a little figment of the imagination in a way. But it's it's you know the corporation has no moral obligation, yeah. but humans do. Only people can have uh, moral obligations. 
Yeah, exactly. I think just to tie up this chapter, they said throughout the economy today, uh, the regulatory system often fails because of lax regulations and inefficient enforcement. Until that changes, we'll all cop it. Um, and yeah, essentially, the price we pay um, is a corporation's profit by harming others. Yeah. Yeah. So we're paying it. We're, we're copping it. We're copping it. Chapter four was de- democracy limited. So as institutional psychopaths, corporations want to remove obstacles that are in their way. Yeah. And they often pretty much... They do. It, they get it done. They get it done. So <laughs> Essentially, they've, they've tried to remove all the obstacles, and in the last 20 years, they've pretty much got them all. Yeah, so that's all the lobbying and paying for political campaigns, which is obviously huge in the US, not as much mm. in Australia, but but yeah, crazy stuff. So And it's got a few other examples of corporations, and I thought it was pretty interesting during World War II. Mm. So in that case, some American corporations were reaping substantial profits for working for Adolf Hitler. So I didn't know General Motors owns this company called AG, a German automobile um, manufacturer that made German army trucks. And the other one was IBM, who, you know, their motto was saying, if your customer needs help, you jump. So when Hitler called out, he needed help. (laughs) (laughs) IBM jumped. And because he needed assistance in the extermination camps getting (laughs) the So they provided the Nazis with the Hollerith tabulation machines which were early ancestors of the computers. So IBM jumped. But it, so it IBM's motivation for working with Nazis wasn't about Nazism at all. Yeah. It was about profit. Yeah. And that's and that's all corporations Fire can think about. It's Man, profit. That's wild. I think I missed that in the book, but that's wild. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> looking at you then. You're looking at me with a blank stare. No, I, was, I, was just, I, I don't even know how I missed that, but that's wild shit. Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, chapter five? Corporations oh, Unlimited. Corporations I Unlimited. I don't much there. Oh, mate, I got shitloads. Yeah, fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I, I thought it was funny. The chapter starts off. I say, it, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And this one stockbroker, he says, on September 11, just before the buildings collapsed, all I was thinking was we need to get our clients out of the gold market. <laughs> Not of the building, mate, of the gold market. Basically, they, they thought, man, the gold market's going to shut down. The whole world's going to shut down. There's going to be no trades. We need to get a lot of people out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I think, mate, in the end... The guy said, in devastation, there's opportunity. It's all about creating wealth. And everyone who stayed in the market doubled their money mm. after that because gold skyrocketed. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what it's all about. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Mate, a few quick ones. Basically, they say that we're going through privatization and that everything the government used to do is now privatized. So, you know, welfare, colleges and universities, the postal system, healthcare, airports, broadcasting, parks and highways, everything that the government used to provide that were public goods has now been taken over by private private corporations and they're just milking it yeah. for everything they can. And Joel says the next frontier is education. Like so primary schools and high schools where they've got these EMOs, these education management organizations where they're just going to come in and maximize profit, not development and education. Yeah. The nag factor. Did you have much on that? Nothing. <laughs> oh, mate. Okay, I'll, I'll whip it out. But the nag factor was sick. Those were saying that Advertisers are just advertising to kids and getting kids to nag their parents. Yeah. And they're saying that, that increases sales by up to 40%. Um, so a few, they go through a few different types of parents where nagging works on them. But some examples was like an ad where they had four kids at lunchtime. Three kids are really happy as they pull out the pack of chips. And the fourth kid <laughs> gets a banana and is oh. super depressed until a monkey comes along and trades banana for a packet of chips. <laughs> and the kid's so happy he's got a packet of chips. So basically they're saying, don't eat a banana. Don't be a fucking pussy. 
man up and eat some chips. <laughs> <laughs> Those sugary chips. <laughs> and and, uh, they they categorise them into different types and different styles of naggers, yeah. yeah. So they <laughs> yeah. know how kids nag in yeah. five different ways. So they you know appeal to each kind of nagger and the, the, the kids will make the parents buy it. That's phenomenal. Mate, those Maccas also had a... Uh, a system like a nutrition information system where yep. they use the Big Mac to describe healthy eating. So they said, Big Mac, it's got your carbs, it's got protein, it's got vegetables. <laughs> and so it's a healthy, Mate, when I healthy was, balanced They got meal. me big time. When, yeah. yeah, when I was younger and my mum was driving me past you know the streets and I saw the, the big the big golden arches. Yeah. My thing to nag my mum was like, Mac, 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 Mac. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't stop until my mum stops from getting the nuggets. So sometimes it took her 15 minutes, but you know, after 15 minutes of hearing me say Mac, 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 we got Maccas every time. Oh, that's phenomenal. So they got me. The nag factor. Yeah. Mate, the last thing before the solutions, he just said, in a world where every anything and anyone can be owned, manipulated, and exploited for profit, everything and everyone eventually will be. So how can we, Matt, how can we save this? Yeah, so although the collapse of corporate capitalism isn't imminent, like, you know, there's not going to be big changes in the, in the short-term future, I guess, but it is obvious people are increasingly uneasy with the system. Mm. So I guess the question is now, then what can we do about the corporation? Mate, is there, he gives a fair few examples. He's got a few, quite, fair few examples in the end, but he says there's a, the commu Communist Manifesto written by Marx. Have, yeah. you, re- have you read that? No, definitely So I guess not. he's just like a, a moral... It. It's kind of, I guess, the morality or the philosophy of having the, the right kind of communism. Mm. And he's saying that we should have a similar one about communi- capitalism because capitalism yeah. can be great if used, I guess, in the right kind of way. And it's kind of not at the moment. Essentially saying like capitalism has... Like we've got all this power, but we don't have the morality. So like we need like a Bible essentially for corporations. Yeah. And the, and the big question that he proposes is, does it serve the public interest? Yeah. And if it's not, then you slaughter it, you get rid of the corporation. If the corporation isn't serving the public good, then get rid of it. And that, fuck yeah. it, that I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't think yeah. it's going to happen anytime soon. No. <laughs> I don't know how that could. But... If the corporations are out to just fuck the planet environmentally yeah. and socially, then they shouldn't be allowed to, yeah. to exist. Simple yeah, as that. Exactly. And then if we had a whole world of just corporations serving public good, then you know It'd the whole world would be place. a much better place. For sure. But you don't care about that, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, all he says here, basically there's, we can improve the regulatory system. He gives a few ways we can. We can strengthen political democracy. And he gives a few ways we can. And then create a robust public sphere. Um, but they're probably... I don't know. There's individuals, I don't know what we can do about it. Yeah. We'll have to ask him. But yeah, as a... Uh, mate, being on the wrong side of the corporation, we're getting fucked up. Yeah. And if, mate, if I made one <laughs> and IPO'd and... <laughs> mate, if you get on the right side of it, it's a good place to mate, be. Mate, you're, you're an evil son of a bitch. We said before this show, you, you are an evil son of a bitch. If you're 80 years old and you just got your fucking yachts, mate, and that's it. I would have had a good time. <laughs> Oh, Mate, we're going to speak to old Jolly. Yeah. Um, is it Joel Bacon? Bacon? Joel Bacon. It's like Kevin Bacon, but Joel Kevin Bacon. Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I really like reading books like this every now and mm. then. It just kind of... Because I guess you can complain about some of the issues in the world, you know, the corporates. And, but yeah. this really gives you a good understanding of, of yeah. how the system is really fucked. So you can yeah, definitively understand it rather than just go out there and complain about some of the things in the world and, you know... Because I think there's going to be a lot of things in our lifetime that, that change and might need to change out of mm. necessity. And, you know, these are some of the things that might need to change. Yeah, spot on, mate. Love it. 
Corporation. So, corporation. Corporation. Corporations are fun. Don't get a job at a corporation. They're going to screw you up. Businessmen of 90 years ago, they're changed because of legislation. Control everything that you do. Corporations control what you eat, what you watch, what you do, what you listen to. What you listen to, what you wear, what you eat, what you do.